This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. Continuing on for a few weeks at least uh, with this remarkable story of God's man Joshua and what he accomplished through the power of God. Now I'll read a few verses for you and you'll find that in verse 13. And when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua approached him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. I have now come as commander of the Lord's army. Then Joshua bowed with his face to the ground in worship and asked him, What does my Lord want to say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Um, Joshua, you know, Joshua, I, I think he was one of those hero kind of guys, without doubt. Um, there are people you read of in the Bible in particular that you admire so much. Uh, Joshua is that kind of man. Now, not much is known about Joshua's family life, which is kind of interesting in a way. But he did make a statement, which is a famous statement, uh, when he got older uh, and he, he was nearly finished. Uh, he, he said, as for me and my, my house, my family, we'll serve the Lord. Uh, and it, what a wonderful statement. So that tells me, if he says, as for me and my house, it tells me that he, he does have a family. We don't have any details of it, uh, but there is a tradition. I don't know whether this has got any merit or, or whatever, but I have come across this on several occasions. There's a tradition that Joshua married Rahab and had children. So I don't know. You can't prove it one way or the other. But what a good man he was. Now, I think it's hard for kids when, when their father is that kind of guy. But then, is that not the kind of guy that we would be? Because in due course, uh, your children should be of that caliber. And I think it's difficult because he, he's unique. He's a one-off in history. And I, I, I don't think that's easy to follow. But nevertheless, there is a great model in this, especially for men today, where manhood has been reviled, where somehow it's, it's just not a thing to be. Well, here's a man. What an example. If you want to be a good dad, then be a good man first, really. You can read all kinds of books on it, and you're supposed to do this, that, and the other. Uh, but actually, if you're a good man, I think the rest follows. Joshua was a good, he was a good man, a man to be admired. Uh, and, and this story tells us how much God regarded him. Have you, have you ever really thought about that as an issue? How well does God regard you? I, I think Brian hinted to something like that before. How well does God regard you? Now, here we are on the other side of that. We, we're not God. 
we, uh, we're always coming to God uh, and we worship him and we praise him and we honor him we regard him of course and that is right and proper but there is another side to it and, and this is wonderful it, it's actually extremely humbling it is a wonderful wonderful thing when God looks upon us whether you're a dad or a mother or just, you know, whether you're not even a dad or a mother, but you're just, you're a man, you're a woman, you love the Lord, you want to be the kind of person that you ought to be, and by the grace of God, you will be. What does God think about you? Have you ever asked him? Would you like to know? <laughs> Because I think that is one of the best questions you can ever ask in this life. It's one of the reasons why we have these these different groups for, for men and for women uh, to help discover, to discover who God says you really are. That's the issue. It is the most wonderful and remarkable thing that in spite of our background, which was the fallen nature, Born in sin, no hope, God intervened. And when we came in all humility, and we bowed before him, and we received of his great goodness, we were born again. Uh, we are being made more and more like his image, what he always intended us to be. We do need to hear his voice. We, we need to be in that place where somehow uh, we are encountered by God. Now, that's different for everyone. But I do believe that there is the, not just the possibility, but it is part of what God would do for us, it is that in our Christian journey, as we walk along, and we do what we ought to do as God's people, Sometimes there is a great surprise. God comes and he meets with us. He met with a whole bunch of people on the day of Pentecost. They didn't know what they were looking for, but they were obedient, you see. They were on the journey. They didn't know everything. There was a lot still to learn, a lot to experience. But they gathered because Jesus said, gather and wait. And the power of God's Spirit came upon them. That's an encounter with God. Now that's the kind of encounter that is available to all believers. The encounter of God who comes to empower us to live a good life, a godly life. Uh, to be able to witness effectively for him. But some encounters are unique and they have a very specific purpose and I don't think there's any point in any of us getting bent out of shape saying I want an encounter like Joshua's we're not Joshua and we don't have the same task he was a remarkable man that God was using for a specific reason but here he was and we've looked at him he was doing what God had asked him to do. He was already doing that. He was not sitting around waiting 
uh, for some great experience. He was already on the journey of doing what God had called him to do, doing it well. And there he was, he'd taken the people over the Jordan. It was the beginning of the settling of the land that God had for them. So this man was strategic in the history of Israel. He had more to do. Uh, he had the task of taking all these different tribes and settling them. And he was engaged in that. And the first point of victory in the settling of the land was that very, very ancient city of Jericho. And he was on his way there uh, to just check it all out, uh, to devise his strategy, because he was a warrior. He was a general. Um, he was a, a leader. Uh, and he was there making sure that when they went in and they went against Jericho, that they would actually win. So he was involved in all of that. Uh, and in that, he's spending a bit of time on his own. He was up near Jericho. He was checking it all out. And then something remarkable happened. Now, this is not of Joshua's doing. He did uh, what Joshua should do. He was involved in that. He was committed to his task. And in the process of that, there he was doing what he thought was the best thing uh, in order that he could accomplish a great victory at Jericho. It was the right thing to do. But when he got up near, he saw this, this man. Is it, is it a man? He saw this man and uh, he's got a drawn sword. Now at this particular point, Joshua didn't really know what was going on. Now I don't think he's a fearful man. I think he's an extremely courageous man. And maybe he thought, I'm going to have to get this guy. Uh, maybe he's coming against us. Because just at that moment, his eyes were not open to see what the reality was. Now, there are things in this life that we carry on uh, in normal Christian life. We do what God asks us to do. Our eyes are not open all the time to see what is happening behind the scenes. Uh, we are not always seeing uh, what is that other reality. We're just living the life, being obedient, led by the Spirit, but we don't always see. And it takes something very, very specific. You cannot dig it up from somewhere inside of you. I am going to see the mighty workings of God now, and your eyes pop open and they, oh, it's this and it's that. It's outside of what we can do. This has to be a sovereign work of God. Uh, you cannot manipulate or bring into being a significant encounter with God. It's beyond what we can do. In a sense, it's the other way around. It's God comes and encounters Joshua. Now, for some people, because it's outside of their control, uh, maybe they don't want that. Maybe it's not comfortable for them. But really, what we do need is a sovereign act of God. Now, Joshua is on the road. He's doing what he should be doing. 
So in, in that sense, he's always prepared and always ready. But it's just that when, when this, this man appears with the sword, in the moment, he was not really sure what was going on. So he asked a question. You know, we should never be afraid of asking a good question like that when God is at work. So what, what's this all about? What's, what's really going on here? Now, because he's focused on Jericho and the, and the battle that he sees ahead, his focus is there. He sees the man. And he wants to know, is this to his advantage regarding Jericho or is he going to do something about it? That's a reasonable question. It doesn't like faith. It just says he's engaged in a process here. And then suddenly, God, who is sovereign Lord, he comes and he interacts with Joshua. What is actually happening here? So he sees a man with a sword. This is not a man. It is the appearance of a man. It's what we call in Old Testament terms a theophany, an appearance of God in some kind of visible form. There were many in Old Testament times. Even something like the pillar of fire, you know, that was a theophany. When Moses was there uh, and, and he saw this bush and it burst into flames, uh, that's a theophany. God was there. He made himself known. I am who I am. So this was a theophany. It's not a real man. God coming as a real man did not take place until the incarnation of the Word who is God. He became that little baby in the mother's womb and they called him Jesus. That was the real man. It's a self-limitation of who God is. Uh, and in the, the Old Testament, you will read in many, many places of these theophanies and some of them were quite strange. But they were manifestations of who God was in some visible form. And they are always, by definition, a limitation of the nature of who God is. Because you can never, ever see the fullness of who God is. He's bigger than all of that. God is never restricted. But for a particular purpose... Uh, because he has something to say to a man like Joshua. Uh, he wants to grab his attention and he wants to give him a particular message. He wants somehow Joshua to take hold of this because it was a strategic point in his life and the task that he had to do. The self-limitation of God, the greatness of God in a moment in time reveals himself in a visible, a tangible form. God is never less than who he is, but that's part of what he can do. And so he showed himself to Joshua. And the reason why he's doing this is that here is Joshua. He's a successful, he's a great leader. He's courageous. He loves the Lord God with all of his heart. But now is a new phase. Something different is about to take place. Uh, he has to settle the land, and that's a massive task. Uh, and, and there will be some disappointments involved in it, 
that he didn't have before. And he needs to be ready for all of this. And so God comes to him to show him something. He came as commander of the Lord's army. That's, uh, it's said otherwise as the Lord of hosts. And what he's showing him is this, that fine, there are battles ahead and he's getting ready for what he thinks is going to be a, a hand-to-hand fighting task at Jericho. And we know how it happened. It was different from that. But he wants Joshua to know this. This is a spiritual battle first and foremost. And I think when there are spiritual battles ahead, those are the times when God makes himself known so that he can prepare those who have that place uh, to be in the battle. He can prepare them. Uh, And he can... He can raise their courage and their obedience and their godly desire to a whole new level. What he's saying is, Joshua, you might be one of the best generals in human history, but all of your skills are not enough for the reality of this kind of battle. This is a spiritual battle. And so what you need is the commander of the Lord of hosts, that spiritual, behind-the-scenes army that comes and stands for God's people and pushes back out of the way the enemy, the darkness that is there. So he comes and he presents himself as if he were a man with a sword. So now Joshua's confidence is somewhere else. He he already knew that uh, to rely upon God was the right and proper thing. Of course he did. But sometimes you need a heightened understanding of that. Sometimes you need to feel the impact uh, to know that God really stands for you. The battle belongs to the Lord. He invites us in. Uh, And the story of Jericho, which we'll get to, um, what a remarkable story. How God intervened and did something uh, beyond what could be imagined. Why? Because it's a spiritual battle. And so it was necessary for this to be established in Joshua's mind, in his leadership, and for the future of this people entering the land uh, to push out all of those vile, ungodly uh, tribes uh, that it might become the land which belongs to God and God alone. Something significant needed to happen. And so God appeared to him. Now, what is very interesting in this is that when God speaks to him, he doesn't just give him some kind of warfare strategy. Now, obviously, As we go along, Joshua was told what to do regarding Jericho. Clearly it was. Something else was much more important. When God spoke and he said, I have come as commander of the Lord's army, something happened. Joshua's eyes were opened and he 
bowed with his face to the ground in worship. The fact that he worships is the key factor to tell us that this was an appearance of God. Because if it wasn't, he wouldn't have worshipped him. I mean, it's as simple as that. If this had been some powerful angel, the angel would have said, Look, look Joshua, I, I can't appreciate what you're doing here, but don't ever bow to me. You bow only to God. Well, he bowed to him. And he asks an interesting question. This is Joshua now. What does my Lord say to his servant? No agenda. See, this is, this is wonderful. This marks out the man of God. Because uh, there's no doubt in, in, in my mind that this, this Joshua guy was a decision-making man. That he had, in his own way, a worked out a strategy. This is what I need to do. He already had a sense of, of purpose, but a, a, some kind of agenda going on. As how do I overcome this city? He was working all that out. But the true man of God, even though he might be remarkable in his leadership and his giftedness and his courage is, is one example to all believers in Jesus. He just says, well, what do you want to say to me? No, that's a really, really good thing. What do you, Lord, want to say to me? No, well, I want to say this to you, Lord, because that's often how our prayers go, isn't it? I want to say this. Uh, will you do this? Will you do that? And there might be some good things in it. None of that. What do you want to say to me? Now, are you willing, like Joshua was, to hear God's voice? You know, I, I, I think some people don't want to hear God's voice because it might change everything. I think some people don't want to hear God's voice because they're scared stiff. There's lots of reasons why people don't want to hear God's voice. But it's the best question. What do you want to say to me? Now that tells me that, that already this man Joshua is in a very good place with God. His humility is real. And we see that as we carry on. But he also is coming with a sense of confidence in knowing that God has called him to a task. And there is something about a real encounter with God in which God, he might show stuff to you and you might have to go through some due process because that's the case in, in some others of these encounters with God in the Bible. But what do you want to say to me? That is a defining question. Because it says that Joshua already has a good sense of who he is and what his purpose in life is. He already has that sense. But he doesn't focus on any of his own confidence or his own ability or his own courage. He just comes simply and says, well, Lord, what do you want to say to me? And I think that's a really good question for us to ask. Well, this is what he said, and it's very simple. Set your sandals off at a place where you're standing is holy. And encapsulated in that is almost everything in terms of who Joshua was 
and his purposes. God is holy. You cannot just approach him carelessly or through any merit of your own. Just take your sandals off. It, it's a mark of honor. It's a mark of humility. It's a mark of esteem. It's a mark of recognizing that God is sovereign. And here is Joshua in this moment in time. What a wonderful privilege it was. But he took his shoes off. See, this is what this man is really all about. So the encounter with God was to bring Joshua to that new place of identity, of relationship with God, to make him ready for all the things that he would have to go through in order to accomplish the purposes of God in his life. He would never, ever forget this. I think that when he got older uh, and he said things like, you know, as for me, as for my house, we'll serve the Lord. He could say that with a reference point, I've been on holy ground. I have met with the Lord face to face. It would have changed him. It would have revealed who he really was for himself. Because this is a personal thing. All the people knew who Joshua was. And they followed him when it suited them. And even in the settling of the land, he did extremely well. There was a couple of moments that were difficult. But this is the man that stood in the presence of God. Why? Because God welcomed him in. He said, come on, come into my presence. And in my presence, anything is possible. And I think that in that moment, as he looked back to maybe the times of Moses, and remarkable place that he had in the history, and the outworking of that, his leadership, his reference point was, I, I bow before the Lord. See, true worship. True worship acknowledges who God is and where we stand in relationship to him. That's what true worship does. And so from there, I think wherever Joshua put his feet, because we, we read about that, everywhere he put his feet, taking the territory that God had given him to take, he did it with a great sense of the holiness of God is accompanying everything that I do for the sake of his honor. Oh, that's a wonderful thing. It is not likely that most people will have an encounter like this. That was Joshua's encounter. But I think we can all meet with God. Uh, we can all know his holiness. Uh, we can all know something of true worship. But it might just be because God has got a particular purpose that he shows himself in a particular way. And it is my belief, this is what I think, is that if somebody is called of God to a great task in order to accomplish it, they need to meet with him. But the meeting is an outworking of already being in place, doing what God has gifted us to do. But it is his sovereign work. 
he chooses, and we bow. And in that, the details of the working out, they, they find a place because they are empowered by God himself. Amen. Thank you for joining us. True Foundations is headed by David J. Jones, a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. His passion is to help individual Christians discover their true identity in Christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives. Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info at truefoundations.ca. Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.